I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool decimated Newcastle United by four goals to two. I've got Rob Gutman, Neil Jones and Josh Williams. Andy Heaton is producing. Ash O'Rourke is looking after the images for you as well. Uh, we are brought to you in association with Green King, where the festive season continues. And I agree with them as far as I'm concerned. It ends the 6th of January. That is the 12th day of Christmas. But also in my head in a football and sense, it ends uh, when the third round of the FA Cup uh, games go ahead. So you want to get yourself down to your local Green King establishment, meet up with friends and enjoy what will be an array of festive football. It actually starts on Thursday night. You've got to keep your eye on it. It's frisky. Crystal Palace play Everton on Thursday night. Two exhausted sets of lads running at each other there for 90 minutes at your local Green King establishment. Do enjoy it uh, and do check out their Instagram as well uh, and you'll there you'll also find additional and for your app content and we did the John Barnes thing with them as well. It was a pleasure to do so. So it is the end of the festive period with Green King um, the gifts just kept coming though from a Liverpool point of view I tell you what that smooth podcast in there Neil wonderful work uh, Neil Jones um, sides should not be flattered by conceding four and yet this is where we are it was some performance from a Liverpool point of view I want to spend the first part of this show almost trying to contextualise it amongst Klopp Liverpool performances amongst Liverpool performances that you've seen down the years it was amongst the very best I've ever seen Liverpool attack yeah, it was right up there. Yeah, definitely, the, definitely by a distance the best they've played this season. I, I, I think you, you can't argue that. I mean, the, the numbers tell you everything, but just the eyes told you it as well. It was yeah. sort of, I was in the give a lift to um, a, a pal of mine. He's usually a pessimist, and I said, to him, "What do you think tonight?" He said, "I've had I've had a fiver on five nil and a fiver on six nil." Wow! And I, I said, <laughs> I said new, year, "New year, new you." And he said, "Well, no." He said, "I just think we'll have too much for them. We'll just run all over them." And Half time is nil nil, and I saw him in the press room and said, "I tell you what, you should be, you should be quids in here." And he said, uh, "You know, it's just the finishing was all that was missing." But it was a five nil, six nil game. I thought in terms of the way it panned out, Liverpool just—I sort of was a start, and, and obviously, I'm sure Josh will have seen this, but everyone but Joe, Joe Gomez and McAllister had a shot. Outfield players, and everyone but. Van Dyke and apparently McAllister didn't create a chance, but McAllister obviously did create a chance. So yeah. you, you talk about collective team performance. Don't get any any bigger than that. I think three players had more than one point five xG. Personal Jones, yep. Jones, Salah, and Nunes. 
you think, yeah, Newcastle are lucky to get out of dodge with with no damage, no further damage to the goal difference. It's genuinely, you know, it it it's solely the scoreline, Rob, that stops it from being hailed as one of the all-time great on-field performances. If it had been, as Neil had said, a five-nil, six-nil, for me, it was in the territory of Liverpool five, Nottingham Forest nil. That's not not an exaggeration. You know, the genuine greats in terms of Liverpool performances, they were that good. Do you know what? I hadn't viewed it like that specifically coming out of the ground last night because of the jeopardy throughout the game. It was a strange, it was genuinely a strange game. At all junctures, I was sort of saying to my boys, my friend either side of me, we're playing really, really well here, aren't we? But at every step, but so many turns, the game wasn't going the way we wanted it to. And you almost can't absorb or or take that into account. As I, as I thought about it, and I watched the goals back after, I thought, Jesus Christ, we've walked the ball into the net three times, and we probably had another couple which were ruled out, and you know, we had a, the, the penalty was a walk into the net job. It was special. When you, when you sort of see the XG at what it was, you think something, there's something unusual happened there. I do think, I'm six performance means being coming, in, but it has in the sense that I think we've played really, really well lately, and, and also not really got our fullest reward. Like, I think we were really good at Burnley, and it could have been 4-0 at half-time there, and we'd have gone back to our best away of the season. I mean, I think against West Ham, that's a, it's now already an underrated performance, that 5-1. I thought we were absolutely sensational that night. Um, and we start, and you could see the green shoots of it, ironically, against Man U in the, in the bad nil-nil. The first, the first 10 minutes, the way we came. I felt we got, we've got back in the last month. That vibe around of a real Klopp Liverpool team, a, a team that is just, um, what, what, how, what did Arteta describe? The washing machine team. The, the team that, at, but also it's not, just, it's not just the pace, power and aggression. It's the one-touch football is, is coming back. The coordination, the, the, the choreography is coming back. That, that did seem to, I'm not, I'd say it's not come together yet because it's, because it's a game we haven't got won until about, what, 80 minutes, really, in truth. We, we're, in, we're in danger. Um, but yeah, in some ways, it's as good as anything well, you've well, seen. You mentioned, the, you, you mentioned the Burnley game and you mentioned this one. One of the things that strikes me is that from both the Burnley game and this one, Rob, Liverpool have won both matches and I'm going away saying their best player was the goalkeeper. And I think that that's, you know, yeah. again, the, the Liverpool-Nottingham Forest comparison is that some people that night said that man of the match was Steve Sutton. Yeah. And that, you know, Stuart Pearce said on TalkSport to Bravka was man of the match. And I think that's difficult to argue with in a number of ways, that he genuinely does, in the same way that James Trafford at Burnley, I thought, was excellent. They genuinely do keep the scoreline under control because of how good Liverpool are. Yeah, I, f- I felt watching it that they had four or five keepers in a certain sense because everyone's putting their body on the line. He doesn't actually... He makes an enormous amount of saves and he does an incredible job. I don't think he's making many where you could pick two, three and go, those are the saves, two of the saves of the season. There's none where he's flung himself where he's done a Gordon Banks thing, but he's in the... But his reaction... It's a great save from, from across yes. that comes in, Nunez. Yeah, that's a great yeah, save. Yeah, the... Uh, the one where it's close in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they are good saves. But I, I, again, watching back some of the chances we have, the bodies that get thrown on the line in front of him, I think it happens to Curtis Jones a couple of times. You go, where the f- how many keepers do they need? <laughs> they're defending deep and they're defending desperately. And yeah, and his is one of those legendary great goalkeeping performances at Anfield that really say more about us than about them. It does say more about us than about them. The other thing that I think Liverpool do, Josh, in the early going in the match is they work them. And this is a Newcastle side where it's much discussed the injury issues they've had over the course of the campaign. Just in general, to the eye, when you've caught them in the last month, you've gone, they look knackered. 
And I think what Liverpool do for the first hour, even though I would like more more goals because they deserve them, is they say to Newcastle, this is the hardest work you're ever going to have to do in your life. And they work them and work them and work them, all areas of the pitch, and they grind them into the ground. Yeah, and I think if, if you look at Newcastle since since Eddie Howe, really, that's one of their biggest traits that has been their intensity. Uh, and, and we just completely outworked them from the off. From the first whistle, the counter press was spot on. You know, we, they couldn't get out their own half. I think the what the first time they got out their own half, Gary Neville dived on it immediately and said, like, they're coming into the game. <laughs> when it was just not the case, it was just a case of like them actually being able to get away from their own goal a little bit. Like, um, and yeah, I, I think if I weren't booked on this show a couple of weeks in advance, I'd have been on the phone to you last night saying, get me on this one. Because, uh, <laughs> the, the XG on this is, is ridiculous, isn't it? It's like, I, think we, I think we need to address it what immediately. Was it, was it 7.5 or 7.2? It was 7.27 on Opta. Yeah, that's bombs got it about so, six point seven. XG on on Infograph, I did seven point five something. Yeah, but, that, I mean it's I, a lot. Yeah, I can't stress enough how outrageous <laughs> that is. That is outrageous, mate. Like every now and then you'll see a freak where there's like someone posts a five every now and then, right? But to post a seven is daft, mate. Like, will, will there be a team that's probably got that for the season? Uh, no, not, <laughs> not for the season. Like, not, not I, I did look point. into this. I did do some digging, right? <laughs> It's twenty five percent of Man United's total for the season. <laughs> for the entire season that played twenty games, we did it in one game. Um and I looked back um to twenty seventeen, eighteen, that's as far back as I went. So the Salah's first season. And since then Europe's big five leagues, the highest um in that whole period of time is five point nine. That was done twice, once by Liverpool, funnily enough, against Leeds, and once by City against Watford. There was a few Bayern Munich games in there. So 5.9 is the highest. Liverpool going post 7.2. That's just off the scale, mate. Off the scale. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's broke the stats bomb graph. Stats bomb have the race chart at 6.64. The race chart works a little different to the cumulative XG, i.e. if there's like a, a rebound in the same incident, it doesn't yeah. It doesn't want to overcount it. So it's got it at 6.64, but it breaks the graph. Like, it genuinely makes the whole graph thing look <laughs> like what on earth. It also ends up saying, and this is why, and I take Rob's point, I understand why there was some concerns in the ground, and I, I, my chimp at times, Josh, was a little bit out, but it ends up saying that literally on the numbers, where the numbers end up, stats bomb always does a thing on the race chart where it says what likelihood is a home win a draw and a away win it is the first time I've ever seen home 100% 100% home 0% draw 0% away and all I was thinking whilst I was watching it Josh is if they just keep going the ball will go in yeah. you, you know genuinely it was, it was a real for me it was a real reversion to the numbers you cannot keep doing this at half time they go in at sort of 2.5 expected goals and it's nil nil and Newcastle haven't had a shot. I was sorry, I've only had one shot early in the yeah, game. That was only eight minutes, I think. Yeah, they've had nothing else. And I was just uh, watching it. I was almost watching it a bit with the numbers in mind. I was just going, you can't, if you just keep doing this, yeah. the ball will go in. And yeah. that's what happened. Well, I, I tweeted exactly that, mate, at half time. Um, at half time, everyone was going on about like, referees and that everyone was putting a lot of attention on the referee and, and, and things like that. And the finishing of Nunes was getting a bit of criticism and stuff like that. And I just felt very like, listen, ignore all that, ignore the noise. Do it exactly, do exactly the same again, and it will, I'll be amazed if we don't come away with a win. Because at half time we'd posted eighteen shots, so we're on course for thirty six by ninety minutes. If you post thirty six shots, mate, you win in the game. You know, most of the time at least. Um, and they weren't like pot shots either, no. like they were against Man United. These were in the box. So one was a pen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, unbelievable attacking performance. As you said, I couldn't agree with, uh, couldn't agree more with everything you've said. To be honest. It's. I'll come back to you on it, Josh, about those numbers and about the sort of the way that the, the whole structure worked. 
they absolutely hounded them. And that's where they were getting the opportunities from. They left Newcastle in... I thought Newcastle's shape was... They were trying to be solid. He picks Joel Linton wide left in attack because he's thinking he wants to have a sub. Attacking-wise with Almiron, he also just... That was his concession to we're going to Anfield and it's going to be a little bit difficult. That's what they did at the time last season, more often than not with Willock behind. And he hasn't got Willock, to be fair. And I think he, that is the only one, I think, of what I think is his first eleven. He's got missing. Maybe he'd say Tonali, but we haven't seen enough. The rest Trippier. of them, they're all Trippier, knackers. Yes, oh, Trippier, yeah. He'd have said Trippier as well. Uh, and the goalkeeper, mm. to be fair. So I've named three now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, but <laughs> how many do we have out there? Well, exactly, yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's where you can end up. And but with it, Josh, I just thought those Newcastle players at no point did any of them settle into the game. And no. for me, that was the, the defining factor. Not one of them got to have an easy five. Not one of them got five minutes of going. I know where I am on this pitch. They did not know where they were on the pitch. No, I must say I was really surprised with with their approach to the game. I, th- I thought Eddie House specifically in his pr- in his pre match uh, press conference talked about like. Like he'd watched the Arsenal game, he'd watched the Man United game, and the Man United game in particular made me think, you know, they're on the back of a few bad results, they're going to sit down behind the ball, and they're going to break through Anthony Gordon and Isaac, probably. Um, but they just didn't, and they, they tried to build, even from the first whistle, he tried to build from the goalkeeper, I thought it just worked massively against them. I thought that they'd, they'd be really difficult to break down, I thought with us not having a left-back, I thought we'd, we'd struggle for width, and I thought we'd have a bit of a problem with that. But they were just wide open. They were just really bad. Um, it's one of them where I don't know how much of this... Well, I, I do. I think it was mostly Liverpool, but I don't know how much of it was like just Newcastle being bad. I, mean, I think we said this after the West Ham game a couple of weeks ago in the, in the Carabao Cup. West Ham looked awful um, and it made Liverpool look really good. But I think this one was just Liverpool being brilliant, but also um, Newcastle just being... Uh, the approach and everything was just miles off, I felt. Yeah, but... This is again. You see that that question: Are they bad? Are we good? I just think we we're, we're rattling teams properly and early, old school club style, as we said earlier. They don't have. They didn't. They just couldn't settle. You can low block all your night, but if a team comes at you with that kind of energy, that kind of counter press, I don't think. You, and if you, and if you don't ride that storm, you know you got two approaches. You, you ride it. You compose yourselves. You say, okay, they can't do this all night, or you shit your pants, and that's what Newcastle <laughs> decided to do. I. Is that our intensity was so great in that opening three or four minutes, as it was against United, by the way, that I, I worried that we might blow ourselves out. And, and when we hadn't scored on minute seven, I was, you know, crying in to my mate next to me. Oh, if you don't score, you know what happens. Uh, but we were able to sustain it. Um, I, I, I don't know what's happened the, the change has been, but in the last month, the counter-pressing has gone up a level. There's some, something has clicked with them. I think Soboslai, some of his work on the ball was weird at times, but his, his pressing, his energy, his work rate was just stunning. He was, he was the lead figure for me in that opening phase. Incredible. Yeah, Klopp picked out Curtis, didn't he, after the game? Mm. And said, I think Did he, he said <laughs> a little dig about, I'm guessing it's the Daily Mail, because he sort of said, oh, I get a lot of criticism for the, my behaviour against grassroots or the, the example it sets the grassroots football teams. He said, well, if grassroots football teams want to watch that video, that's a, that's a lesson for them all in counter-pressing. So, which I thought was just a weird, a weird <laughs> bit of shade thrown at the grassroots community. But they're <laughs> all their own way for too long, but I knew what he said. And, and do, you know what, do you know what made me notice it the most, how well Liverpool had played, was when Gravenberg came on. And there was a couple of moments where either the ball was played behind them or he'd give the ball away. And you could just see that. It was only a split second that he just sort of went... Oh, and, and he didn't run after the ball and it showed so much because that, the whole game, every single player, you know, they didn't get everything right. So obviously I give a couple away. I think Diaz give one, but he had to play Curtis in. Yeah. He, he, he rolled it behind him. 
but the reaction every single time was spot on. I, I, I agree with Rob in terms of Sobberslide, but I thought Curtis and Endo in particular, I thought the, yeah. the sort of way that they they put the chokehold on, sort of anchoring high up the pitch and made sure that, you know, Newcastle must have felt like they couldn't get out of their own half. I think that that's that's been the biggest change I've seen. I think I think a lot of it comes back to Endo, actually. I think he's really sort of settled into that position of I know where I need to be, I know sort of how to support players, whether I've got the they've got the ball, I've got the ball, or the other team have. He just seems to have a real good positional sense about him. I think he's made a big difference and sadly, yeah, we're gonna be without him now. Do you think it's coincidence there's no coincidence? Our two our two best performances this season is West Ham, I think, and Newcastle mm. now. Same midfield, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. With a, yeah, yeah, exactly. The yeah, same Kurt, I mean, Curtis, he's gone up a level this well last calendar year, absolutely. But you look at him now and you watch him, and you think, uh, you could you could have asked me five years ago what type of player will Curtis Jones be at twenty two? Uh, you would uh, this has been the last thing I would have picked. Mm. This sort of proper system system player, all round reliable, consistent performer. I'd have said he'd be a sort of a one in four player who's got moments of absolute magic, but. Drifts in and out of games. He's at the moment, the level he's reaching is massive, and I, I think I think he's absolutely. Listen, if Liverpool have got title decided tomorrow, champ, uh, League Cup final, FA Cup final, Europa League final. He's right in there straight away. What's his goals per minute looking like since he's come? Because he plays what ten or no, eleven of the last eleven games of last season. I think he gets three, four, maybe four, yeah, four. And he's got three with you know in a, assist, in a season where he's had interrupted with injuries and things like that. I think his goals per minute from that point to this point must be pretty high for him at central midfielder. Good, the, the, for the, a Liverpool centre midfielder, I think the definitely for a Liverpool. Centre. I think the best thing is the, the type of goals though as well. They're not he's not scoring screamers. He's not scoring sort of goals. No. Where you go, well, you don't have to score them every week. He's get he's tap getting tapped. Yeah, they're like Gundogan goals. Yeah, aren't back post. Yeah. You know, yeah, arriving sure. and putting them in, and you know, get like both feet. You know, he, he's he just looks like and that must come from confidence. He's always had. Incredible belief in his ability, but I think the confidence in the, in his role in the team and knowing it, and I think also, you know, I, I don't think it's coincidence that you're there, Jürgen, mentioned these things. I think there is a little bit of massaging him and saying, "Come on, you you can be our boy and show everyone else the, the ropes." And you know, he, I think he relishes that. I've heard him speak a couple of times about, "I'm a, I'm not a kid who normally used to press, but I love doing it now and things like." That. I, I think there is a, an element of like sort of convincing him that you can be this kind of tactical leader in the team. There is, in amongst it all, the other thing that they do, Rob, is they allow no hard luck stories. My one concern mm. in terms of the game was there was a slight reminiscence of the game around the same time of the year away at Leicester two seasons ago where Salah misses the penalty. Liverpool absolutely battered them for a half. Salah misses a penalty, misses the rebound. They go in half-time, nil-nil, and there's a sting in the tail, and they never recover. What I loved was the resilience of them. There was no hard luck stories. The referee being hard work, they didn't let that get to them in the end. They just rode on and kept going and kept going and knew the Award would be there. Yeah, and that has been a theme of this season, hasn't it? Really, since the get go. I mean, maybe we were school, maybe last season, maybe if, if we go on to be successful, we may look upon the much, you know, despised season we had last season as a learning curve because we, we certainly had to learn how to play in adversity there. We were so we were behind in so many games. This team is now, it's, it's muscle memory is how to deal with that kind of position. You need, you know, you need to get things haven't gone your way, you need to score the next goal. But yeah, that was incredible last night. As I said, we were saying at the beginning, that's why it was a confusing thing to sort of to know how you felt about it at the final whistle. Was it a tr was it like the Forest game, or whatever? Because we'd had to deal with so much adversity. But it's 
it's happening time and time again. You just, you just, you're just hoping to pray it can keep us in the stead it's kept us in. I think part of that, Josh, is the manager's use of the subs and the idea that the players themselves know the substitutions are coming. Mm. And I mean that, I mean that as a massive positive because some of those players include the ones who are going to be taken off, but they know first and foremost I'm likely to be taken off, so I need to do 90 minutes running 60. That's what I'm going to do here for the team. But also, nothing's dead, nothing's finished because we can change it. There's always about to be a change, and for me, that's the great liberation of Liverpool having the five. Having the five attacking options that they've got, plus Harvey Elliott, plus Gravenberg, is that there is this sort of feeling of it'll be all right in the end, even if it isn't all right now. And I, I think that's part of how they're able to play and play and play in these difficult circumstances. They know it's about to get better if it needs to. I felt a bit uncomfortable actually when they were making the subs because I, I felt we were playing so well at that point. Totally I feel agree. like we could only, we could have only got worse, in my yeah. opinion. So, yeah. apart from Jota, who I think is the ultimate to bring on when you need a goal. Other than that, I was a bit like, mm, we could get worse here. And he was a few Gakpo moments. Uh, for five minutes. Birth moments. Yeah, yeah, for five minutes. I think it was a little bit shaky, weren't it? But at the start of the game, to be fair, I looked at the bench and it was, I think it's one of our strongest benches of the season, possibly. You know, we've got McAllister, Jota, Gakpo. These are seasoned internationals. On the Even Kwanzaa, you, you look Gravenberg, at. Gravenberg, Elliot, Kwanzaa. Yeah, serious bench that, mate. And I, I think in comparison to our title rivals, specifically maybe Arsenal lately. I think Arsenal just haven't got that. I think if, if if the game's not going as Arsenal one or two after 65 minutes, they just can't change it like Liverpool can, and I think it's stinging them a bit. Do you think that, though, is that they haven't got the players or that the manager hasn't got them players in rhythm? I think Klopp, I think Klopp's the best around yeah, that. Yeah. I, I sort of, you, know, you never feel like a player hasn't had a game for months where mm. you go, oh, God, we just brought him out of nowhere. It almost feels like, yeah, he played last week, you know, whereas Arteta or City sometimes, they bring on a player and you go, I forgot they had him. You know, like Reese Nelson come on at the weekend and you're like, oh, when was the last time I saw Reese Nelson? Yeah, yeah. In a, you know, never starts a game. You know, he's always sub. I think Jürgen's brilliant at making sure that, you know, you don't ever feel like you're not in his plans almost you know you're, you're just in you just break glass you're always there ready to come on it's made such a difference this season this is the most I think homogenous squad Klopp's had in terms of you know we've said this before you you could go back three years and go there is a clear best 11 here with the next two or three who could slot in and you wouldn't see much change but beyond the 14-15 you are going to have a, you are going to have to bring in a Rigi or a Simicast would be that level now I'd say now I looked across the squad and I think I counted, if you just count Alisson, 19 players who I thought were broadly interchangeable. Yes, you're still going to say you don't want to lose a Trent or a Salah or a Van Dijk. But, but you, you could pick 19 and I, and, I think, and I think Klopp knows that and he's committed to playing them. As you say, there is... So who knows what our midfield is? I mean, we just identified yeah. this midfield's done really well, but who's to say what our best midfield is? It's, and I think in a way Klopp, Klopp is the one who was the most sort of vocally enthusiastic about the five sub rule when it came in during COVID, wasn't he? And I think he's the one who actually has been the smartest in, in using it. I think, he's the, I think Jurgen Klopp is redefining how you use substitutes in a way that I don't think anyone has since Alex Ferguson realised putting two great forwards on on 60 minutes really gives you a strong chance of making a football match go your way. And for the first time, I think Klopp may have moved ahead of Guardiola in understanding the direction of the way the game's going. And I do wonder if we're going to see him as we're coming into a transfer window as well. Klopp living with bigger squads, realising it's not just a nice thing to have options off a bench, it's an essential to have options off a bench. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about that midfield there, you know, you, you say that's the best two performances of the season, but McAllister wasn't, wasn't there. No. And McAllister's played pretty much every game when he's fifth, hasn't he? And, you know... Does that unlock another another level of him? You've still got obviously Tiago Thia, going by Chetage, this mythical promised <laughs> promised return of them Ooh. one day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no, you've still got them on, on the horizon. You no, know, I think the best is 
clearly still to come from Gravenberg. I think he's got a lot to learn in terms of. I think you can see both why Bayern Munich wanted to sign him, but I can also see why he might have done Bayern Munich's head in a little bit because he, he's in moments rather than games. He's a bit. He's. I think he's the same age or not not far off, but he's a bit where Curtis was at times in the mm. past, where it's like you know, yeah, but he won't do it next week or you know he won't do it in the second half when he has a good first half. He's still got that to learn. Soboslai, obviously, I still think. I think he's had a really good first half of the season, but I still think he's got to put it all together going forward. He's got to show, you know, that, that he is he is what we saw in certainly in the in the autumn. Um, so there's real there's real options there, and I think Rob's right. You know, I'm saying there if we had a final tomorrow, but if, even if there was a final tomorrow, I'd have at least three decisions to make. I'd be thinking about my centre back. That's that's assume everyone was fit. Matter. I'd be thinking about my centre back. I'd be thinking about my front three, and I'd be thinking about my third midfielder. I'd be thinking, well, what would I pick? So that hasn't been the case really, has it? When Liverpool have had, you know, the great Liverpool team of, of recent, you've had ten of them really, haven't you? It's only I, I can't even think. It probably would have been where you put Milner in, or if you put Milner in, isn't it? It's not really. There's not really that kind of dilemma around the starting eleven. There's lots of them at the moment. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think Arsenal feel a little bit more original Liverpool in terms of having a fixed yeah. eleven that are starting every week and, and then very, very reliant on certain players. Yeah, there's a bit of a drop beyond that and. I think you're spot on as well with the, the rhythm thing. I think Klopp's the best at doing that. And I, th- I think maybe if there's one player we're being picky who's, who looks like he is a bit out of rhythm, it probably is Gravenberg. I think a few years back when he came to, to Anfield and played for Ajax, you can, when he's at his best, Gravenberg, he, he's completely on autopilot and he's just doing everything on automatic. He's not even thinking, not hesitating, and everything's just going for him. Everything's just, he's almost in like a flow. I think at the minute, he doesn't look like he's in that flow at the minute. He looks like he's still kind of Thinking. getting to grips with things, yeah. And uh, it looks like a mistake still really bothers him. And he needs to kind of move past that. Because I think if Sobuxlein makes a mistake, he seems to move past it really quickly. Sobuxlein just kind of, you know, same with Trent, just attempts something again five seconds later. Gravenberg seems to, his head drops a little bit and he, he murmurs, I've got a counter press. And so I think he's still a work in progress. Yeah. But, but sorry, I was going to say, Rob, just, what, what has changed definitely with Liverpool this season is ball carriers in the team yeah. so many and Gravenberg's one of them very mm. much so is that you almost feel like if all else you know is going a little bit wrong in terms of we're not quite getting into the right areas down the flanks or we're not hitting the target or whatever you, you can give it to a four or five players on the pitch and they can they can take the ball 20 yards up the pitch and you know that was not the case at all last season was it it was it was the opposite really it was it was going backwards or it was you were at risk of being legged mm. <laughs> to use a better phrase but um <laughs> Liverpool have got a lot of players that I think would be if it, if very it, hard to play against in five aside. Yeah, it feels like we've got a lot, a lot of like the Oxley Chamberlain option from a few years back. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Ox against like City? Best. He'd be that kind of vehicle, wouldn't he, from the midfield to the attack line? What Cater could have been as yeah. well, you know, at times. Yeah, but it feels like we've got a few now who are similar to Ox in terms of being able to carry the ball over large distances. I, th- I thought it was interesting in defence of Gravenberg actually after the United game I think Gravenberg goes off with a, a sort of an injury that isn't an injury but Klopp makes a point after he says having to take him off changed the game he, he felt we got worse after he had to take Gravenberg off so, uh, just an interesting one in how high he regards the player still yeah, he's brand new and he's not played much football you know yeah. it, this, it, it, he's, he's learning it's rhythm, rhythm. It's, for me it's simply a rhythm issue yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Let's do an old-style rave about them, Neil. Uh, <laughs> front to back, not pull any punches. Let's go through almost a lot of them. Start off with Mo Salah. He, he misses a penalty there first half. He gets one in the second. Um, but in general, I thought his, just his all-round game was astonishing. I've been sort of half waiting for him to absolutely put Dan Byrne on toast in these fixtures. <laughs> and it was as though yesterday he really gone got some quality sourdough from the shop. He thought it through. <laughs> he absolutely knew he had him from minute one. Do you know what? I listened to Dan Byrne on... Ben Foster's podcast recently. Sorry, I do listen to other podcasts. That's allowed. It's awesome to exist. Yeah, I go to Barstow and Rob's. And he was talking about <laughs> the players that he faces, and he was asked about it. And I, I had a little chuckle <laughs> to myself because he said, "Yeah, you know, you get a lot of these these right right side of players with the left foot who come in." He said, "And the one, and I was just expecting him to say, you know, the one that just kills me every time is, is, is Saka." And I thought, "You, you cheeky!" You know, I was like, "You, you're going to pay. We've got you in a couple of weeks." And yeah, of course. Um, my brother-in-law, Madly, every single game, I'll have a discussion about him, and he'll never say I have anything positive to say about Salah. He'll, all he ever says is, I just think he could do more. And I was thinking <laughs> yesterday in the first half, I was thinking, yeah, he's probably a five out of ten in the first half. He's a bit scruffy, missed the pen, blah blah blah. And then at the end, you come off and go, he couldn't have done more there. He couldn't, like apart from put the other penalty, and that's all he could have done. He's, he's the pass for Jota for the second goal is outrageous, and he's been doing it all season. The, the pass for Gakpo's goal is even better and he's added he seems to have added that kind of I do think he gets into little phases, Salah, where he's almost like, I'm gonna try something. I'll learn something. He's yeah. gonna step over in the first half. And I, I said that must be a New Year's resolution. I've never seen Salah do a step <laughs> over. Like, even like you know, changing his boots and things. It's just like he's like, you know what, I'm I'm a bit bored. I'm just gonna try different stuff this season and see what happens. And yeah, he's it's just I don't like being too nice about him because they're gonna be without him for, for a few weeks. We're probably gonna have conversations about how much they miss him. But like, he is a joke, isn't he? he just the, the things he does is just sort of. It, it's every single game he'll do two or three things in the game where you go, that's just that's outrageous. That and it's it's not always a goal, it's not always an assist, but more often than not, it is. Yeah, he's. This is his best season in the last three for me. To be getting better, I think. I mean, it's like almost like him and Van Dyke sat down at the beginning of the season, had a little yeah. coffee, and went, "Should we get better?" <laughs> and I think during the course of this season, he's got better and better. You could see, even with the, with the goal against Arsenal, that was really. Yeah. That's something we've not seen from him for a couple of yeah. years. I don't think. 
I thought that was his best performance of the season last night. It, it, is, a sh- it is a shame he missed the pen because I wasn't happy with him at all at that moment. Yeah. When we huffed and puffed like that and for him to miss that penalty, I thought, oh, fuck off, Mo. I, mean, <laughs> I, I was one of those who oh, never yeah. wanting to see him take a penalty again. But by the end, I was more than happy for him to take them all forever and ever. Um, yeah, I think he is getting better and better. It, it's interesting how... There are things he knows he can't pull off anymore. He hasn't got the, sh- the, the quite the speed on, on his left to lean in and get at that movement and bend it on his left anymore. He does try it occasionally. I would like to see it come off once or twice more. But he now realises he has that the, the outside of the the left uh, cross thing yeah. going on. He's, and he's gone from doing it like a couple of times a season, if you go back in the past, to now doing it three times every game. What and every do- time it works. What he does from them... them- Positions where he used to curl it in the far corner, like Roma and yeah. Everton. He passes it now to the near post, doesn't he? Almost like yes. he, he opens out and plays it through someone's legs to, yeah. the, to the front. And there was a great one for, was it Darwin? That Darwin came in and, yeah. and in the first half at the cop end, and he thought, what a ball. Yeah. But like, yeah. he's just got that. And I think that is the difference between you know occasional greatness and c- consistent greatness is that Getting on to the fact that you know I'm gonna to have to change. I can't. I can't just do the same thing for unless you unless you are Messi or, or whoever. You can't just do the same thing well, for. I mean, for Messi five, changed as well. Messi, yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's something in it, Josh. Where I watch him now, and when he carries the ball in a certain way, he's happy. He wants the defender to commit. Don't get me wrong. But what he's also looking to do is make the defender go. Hang on, I need to give him a yard of space here because if I commit, he'll be past me and he will still be away. He's still got the ability to get away. But what he actually does is he makes the defender take a, almost a backward step and then suddenly he's got the full range of options to anything he, he could want to do on the pitch. And that, for me, is part of his brilliance now, is that he's, he's using his ability to create space to then create in a really, really strong way. Yeah, it, it feels like he's, he's still Liverpool's clutch player, basically, and he has been that for six years now. I think he, when, when we kind of need that moment, he's, he's that guy. And I don't, I'm not sure Arsenal have that at the minute. I think that's one of the reasons why they're struggling a little bit in, in in some of these tight games, and I think in the first half against Newcastle, I actually think that's up there with Salah's worst halves, like in a, in a while to be fair. But then he looks at himself in the middle of half time, comes out second half, and and what what is it like two assists and a goal he, he ends up yeah, getting and a pre-assist. Yeah, I think he's the ultimate. He's just the ultimate attacker. He's he's the opposite of one dimensional I think if he if he gets restricted in terms of running in behind he's, he's, he's a massive threat when he's facing the block and he, and he can he can open it up I think his passing ability is really underrated his ability to just see things and create chances um, I thought he was really direct in terms of just going right at Dan Byrne going right at his man and getting into the penalty box he wasn't always successful in beating him but that kind of relentless belief that you're just going to beat your man despite losing a few a bit like what I was saying earlier with Strabuslai in comparison to Gravenberg just the ultimate self-belief he, he seems to demand so much from himself and yeah I think the best word for him is, is probably what you just said Neil in terms of he's just a joke and he's just he's just he's difficult to define anymore to be honest reminds me of different but John Barnes and Giggs they remind me of that in the sense of what they were and what they became and I remember I've seen John Barnes speaking about the way he played and he said even as a winger he said I was never a knock it and go. I, I, I was a balance shift, move them from side to side. He said, because my thought was always, I wasn't trying to beat the man. I actually wanted to play a pass. He said, but if you put them off balance, you, you, the pass opens up. And I think Salah's got that down to a tee at the moment where you, you could probably argue if you're a fullback, he doesn't really go past me on the outside, you know, like, so I don't really need, but, but he makes you think he's going to. 
and when he if he does it once or twice in the game, then you then you sort of worry about it. And if you do that, then he's got the pass as well, or he's got the, the outside of the foot. I mean, he probably doesn't score as many of those spectacular ones anymore. But you've still got it in your mind, and he might do it every so often. And you know, he scored a pretty spectacular one against Arsenal. So he is just. It's that. It's that. He is like the sort of criminal. It's like one step ahead of the police, isn't he? He's just like, you know, I'm always. You, you might. Yeah, you're looking down that road, but I've I've already got off. I'm on the roof. You know, like it's, it's that kind of sort of thing of you just you you can't get him cornered really as a defender. And fair play to him to be doing it for six years in the hardest league that you can do it in, and in a team as well. It's you know it's had its ups and downs where there's been there's been seasons where he'd have had every excuse to say I didn't get double figures this season. You know, we we, we were struggling. He just keeps on doing it. Twenty, that's twenty in the Premier League, isn't it? Goal, goal involvement. Yeah, for, I, five, for six successive seasons, something like that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I feel like he's he's enjoying this mantle as well at the minute of being. I think if you look at Liverpool's attackers, obviously lots of quality in there. He he's the one kind of polished gem. I think all of the others, they've obviously got massive potential, really high ceilings and that. But Salah's the one who knows he's the finished product. He's the one who, you know, I think everyone will be looking through if Liverpool need a moment. Hence this clutch player thing. Um, so yeah, he's just such such an unbelievable player, really, and probably the best sign of the club here, to be honest. There is of the other two, uh, of the four, uh, slightly unpolished diamonds. I thought Rob Nunez and Diaz were both great without a goal. Mm. I think that both of them. I mean, Nunez just torments those centre halves. The, the they cannot do any other defender. They're just constantly concerned about him all the way through the game. And I thought it was Diaz's best performance of the season. Yeah, it was Diaz's best performance this season. He was he was electric. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And he's quietly involved, pre-involved, isn't it, in two or three of the goals. He has a nice finish goal chalked off. Darwin was it's again every it's almost every performance you're going. <laughs> I turned to Julio next to me and I said, "That's what an old man they used to call a curate's egg of a performance." <laughs> and we both said, "Whatever a curate's egg is, that was what it was <laughs> of a performance." Again, again, yet again, you. You know, we, we almost have to start, stop getting interested in the goal return. I mean, I, but the number of efforts he has on goal, again, watching the highlights back, I thought I came away from the game thinking, yeah, he missed that one in the first half and he had a head to second half. It's not just that. There's there's another one very close in on the edge of the six-yard box he should, probably should do better with. There's a good shot in the right-hand channel, second half. The header's really, really good header, by the way. So I think he has four five efforts. Eight. That's, is it eight efforts? Eight shots. Eight, yeah. I mean, eight they, shots. to me... Something has to give there, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I know we've been saying this, and we may have to say it for another half a season before it does. I mean, I think I don't know exactly what the the time scale was, but Lewandowski under Klopp took a good while to become Let me, Lewandowski. No, the player, I, the player I keep coming Aubameyang. back to. No, the player. No, the player I keep coming back to is Drogba. Drogba occupied the life out of people, but the goal return is dead interesting. Ten true. Season, so Chelsea, in in all comps, I do you as all comps every year at Chelsea. Oh four, oh five, sixteen. 0506, where by the way they won 20 of the first 22, 16. Year after 33, year after 15, year after 14, year after 37, year after 13, year after 13. And that would not surprise me if Nunez's numbers throughout his Liverpool career go like that, where there's a couple of years where you can't keep him out the action and he just keeps putting them in the back of the net. And there's a couple of years where you spend the whole season thinking, my God, what a player he'd be if he just finished a couple more. 
But what Drogba does in all of those years is he's amongst the hardest players to play against Rob. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm and I that's what I'm seeing. I am seeing the striker who defenders want to play against the least. And Newcastle are scared of Nunez. He he batters them at St James's Park two years on the bounce now, as it is. He's good against them, I think, at Anfield as well last season. And he's done that again to them. I think it's dead interesting because we are gonna drive ourselves mad with the my God, wouldn't it be great if there was a goal? But I remember everyone used to have a big bee in the bonnet about Drogba, whether or not he was scoring enough. And then every couple of years, he put in, or from nowhere, he bang a hat-trick or something like that. Yeah, in certain senses, the reason I think those of us who really like him are staying with him, in certain senses, he's almost the perfect centre-forward, except he hasn't got the goal return. He's almost like AI-generated. He's, he's a rare mix of incredible power, power height, pace. His technique is is actually decent. I mean, it, it, it just gets it's just when he gets in his own head, he'll miscontrol something. But that's the same with his, his finishing is sensational of an elite level until he gets in his head and misses an easy chance. That's why you know something has to be coming with him. As he was coming off and Jota was coming on a couple of rounds, we were going, ah, well, now we've got a guy who can put the ball in the net. That'll be better. I mean, yeah, it's always a good thing to see Diogo Jota coming on. But can he make the things happen? That, that, that Nunes yeah, can can he it. impact the, you know <laughs> occupy an entire defence the way Nunes came mm. it made me worried about what happened obviously there was an ill-founded worry it all worked out for the best but initially in the, the first phase you got Newcastle are, are much more comfortable here against a Gakpo and a Jota than they were against the Diaz and a Nunes yeah. it's interesting because it would never be compared to him other than they wear the same shirt but Firmino he probably will end up with roughly what a Firmino season ends up as I think a 15 last season that's probably mm. around Firmino's Average, I imagine he had one season, didn't he? Where he got 27, 28. So we'll end up around the same. I don't, we never really worried about Firmino, you know, he need, needs 10 more goals from him because of what he did differently around around everything else. Maybe some, just sometimes it's, it's, the, it's the case that you don't have an extra player like Mane that you win 1 0 and Mane or Salah will score. You're sort of still a little bit, if Nunes doesn't take those easy chances, you're a little bit more reliant on Salah. And of course, obviously he's now he's now gone, but I don't know. I, I, I have you have your wavering where you watch him a couple of times. And you think just get on side, you know, please. But really, I don't have too much concern about Nunes. I think I think Carragher had it right in the, in his pre-match. He said that Liverpool's attack is Nunes Salah plus one, absolutely. And I think yeah. I think it needs to remain that for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think he's an absolute menace. I I love watching him. I think the. I'm starting to just kind of ignore the finishing part because it just that just feels like the coin flip at the end almost. Like it's just it's almost out of his control at this point. Like I I, I actually <laughs> felt the finishing was was half decent from him against um, Newcastle. He he hits the target with five out of his eight efforts, which was decent. I thought the volley, which was a difficult chance, he to get that on target. I thought he did well. I think the one where he makes the chance himself by chasing the defender in Luis Suarez style. I thought that's a. It was I think Torres that's and Vidic, wasn't it? That's yeah, yeah, it was. But I think yeah. I think the Bravka just makes a decent save there. To be honest, I think a lot of the time they just trickle in, they just go in. But it's one of them where he's just he's flipping the coin, and it's just hitting tails every time, and it's going to get to a point where he hits heads a few times, and the the overwhelming narrative will be he's learned how to score when in reality he's just got a bit more lucky. I don't I don't think he's a great finisher. But he's also he's on top of that at the minute. He's also just really unlucky as well. Um, but the big thing with him is even when he doesn't score, he's such a menace, and you know he's in the game. Like there's certain strikers out there over the years who, if they don't score, they are anonymous. Oh, I right. think, yeah, I think Sturridge comes to mind. To be honest, late Sturridge under Rodgers was one of them who, because he was so prone to getting injured, 
it was just all about finishing the move. And, and if he didn't finish the move, he didn't. He was like playing with ten men almost. Nunes is such a. He's so in the game. He's so everything he does is so um, has such an impact on 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 within the context of winning a football match. Whereas if you play Gakpo, Gakpo does a lot more and like in in the game in terms of like dropping deeper and stuff like that. But within the context of winning, he's almost doing a lot more that almost doesn't matter. If you know what I mean. Um, Nunes is just such a such a busy player. I just I think it's a matter of time before he explodes. I feel like I keep saying it. I've been saying it for like a year now, to be honest. But it it, it is coming. I think, and I think even if it doesn't come, he's he's still a nightmare to defend against around that. And that's a key part of it. Uh, but what he also does, he softens them up. And Gakpo and Jota are beneficiaries of it. Rob, uh, I thought Jota in particular, his movements, I thought was exceptional yet again. He just looks. He, he just looks like a shark, you know what I mean? He's he's absolutely all business. Yeah, he was great, wasn't he? I I do think, to be fair to the two lads, come off if it been the other way round. New, Newcastle were wrought by the time those yeah, two came. That's on. fair. Mm. And also, they were having to come out as well. You know, we we were able to play in transition, and it was a you know, we, that's when we became truly a joy to watch. But Jota is in. Uh, it's a, it was a massive. I think we we may come to see it as a massive thing for our season. That Jota's almost his second touch after his lengthy-ish injury is to come on and score against. Who does he score against? Last Burnley. Time? Burnley. Yeah, we may come to see that because I think it's it's put him in a vein already, and you can see there's a. We've seen Jota has been a streaky player. I think throughout his career and the way he scores. I mean, he had he had a calendar year without a goal, didn't he? Yeah. What, Eighteen months ago. But either side of that are some phenomenal runs, and I think he's. Almost. Well, he was, certainly before Newcastle, our best goal per minute player this season. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a ridiculous option to have. And he's all, and like all of them, they all have their superpower, don't they? There isn't another Jota in our squad. There isn't another Nunes in our squad. There isn't another Gakpo Diaz. They are all a different type of forward. And I think that's... But the, the strength of the manager is finding a way to make all those those diverse options dovetail at every junction. They always do, by the way. Uh, Neil has raved about the City Centre's Curtis Jones, Josh. Um, it is another phenomenal performance from him. And I am very much and have been for a long period of time. For me, he's the fifth name on the team sheet. And I mean that as a massive compliment because we all know who the first four are. Anytime Curtis is fit for any game that feels as though it's full of significance, I want to see him play. And I thought he was the absolute business yesterday. He was, yeah. I think he's he's a real balancer for the team. I think that's the best way to describe him. I mean, a proper counterweight for the team in terms of just the squad's packed full of attack-minded offensive players, and I think he's a bit more. He's a bit of a glue guy. That's how that's how I keep labelling him. A bit of a bit of a glue guy in the final third for us, and that never loses the ball. Really reliable when it comes to the initial first counter pressing and regaining the four. Yeah. Um, Klopp was quick to praise him yesterday. I, I think he's right to do that. I think he was brilliant. Um, a couple of months ago, I I actually said that he's. I, th- I think if if we had a proper six, I, th- I said that like he's kind of got a just as much of a shout to start as McAllister, and I got a bit of a stick for it. But I think I stand by it. You know, I think he's. I think McAllister's brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but I think Curtis Jones is so important within the context of like what it means to be a team. I think yeah. he brings everything together a bit. I think um, he makes Diaz a better player. I think he yeah, really yeah. helps Diaz more than anyone else. I think he's the one that Diaz has got the strongest relationship with. Yeah, definitely. I said a couple of weeks back, didn't I, that I think when Gravenberg's on the ball, he almost seems to ignore completely what's going on to his left, Gravenberg, because of his, his tendency to, to go pen spot, basically, or go diagonal with his passing and that, or his carrying. I think, I think Jones is a bit more of a natural when it comes to linking with Diaz, just probing in the final third. Establishing control, maybe drifting out wide at times and, and swapping positions with yeah. Diaz. 
Um, but yeah, I think he's brilliant and he's, he's really coming into his own this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying uh, next year. <laughs> last yeah. year. I'm enjoying the fact that I think against a low block, he's particularly effective when he's in the mood. Because he'll, you know, a pack defence is in front of him. He likes the forest of, of bodies. It's a challenge to him. He can, he can move at them. He can drop his shoulder. I think it does help that he's a, a sort. He was a winger by trade until he became a first team player, and I think that is why it's working well with Diaz. He's not feeling the need to fly and hit the touchline, but he's, <coughs> but it's always an option. And you can see the swagger now in his play. That drop in the shoulder thing that brought about that really good goal against West Ham. With hints of it yesterday. I think he's unlucky yesterday not to walk off the pitch with two, maybe three goals, by the way. You know, that could have been another one where we came away going, that was the Curtis Jones show. And I mean, it very nearly was. I think it's a great example of when you talk about coaching and, and development of, of players, that he, he's as good an example of that as anyone because... He's yeah. he's so different to, to what what he was. You know what what got him into Liverpool squad isn't what's got him into Liverpool's team. You know he's had to he's got in the squad yeah. because he's got talent and he's got you know that real sort of swagger about him. But he's almost had to be re reprogrammed into right. You, you've got all that, but we need that for the occasional moments. We need we need this 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 and this. And I tell you, what, I wouldn't have thought he'd. I wouldn't have thought he'd learn it. And I think with no. times during his time in the first team, where you thought, I don't think he's going to get this. I think it's going to be too much for him. But he's got it, and he's learned every side of of midfield play. Yeah, there was a point not too long ago where where Gerard was asked about him. I think he was maybe during his time with Aston Villa, yeah. and he and he described him as more of an individual. It was by you guys, wasn't it? Than than Gerard was. Um, but I think now that's a bit. That's reversed for me. I think now Gerard looks like more of an individual than Jones is now for me. Jones is more of a team player now for me than, than Gerard was. Gerard was a bit more, I'll do it myself, basically. And Jones is coming across to me now as a bit more of a, just as I said, gluing everything together, being that kind of whatever the team needs him to be, a bit like when Alderman ended up being, almost. And, and don't forget with Curtis, he was there for all of the, the success, but he was a little bit... Sort of, he wasn't on the bench for the League Cup final a couple of seasons ago. He must be looking now, thinking 2024. Okay, I I could be, I could be starting finals, Europa League, whatever. I could be lifting the Premier League as a as a player that was involved in it. There's a Euros at the end of that, which if Gareth Southgate isn't looking at him, he he really should be because he's he's a a glue player is what England need in 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 when they've got all these attackers and it'll really make a difference. There's loads out there for him. There's a lot a lot for him to sort of look at and go, okay. This is this is my time now. Uh, what's our endo uh, disappears off Rob uh, said before about him picking the ball up. For me, that's what he's, he's, his positional play in the last month. I think has been absolutely unreal. He's always where the ball's just about to drop. He's always where an opponent's just about to run. None of it's there's not the big moments. There's not goal line challenges. There's not you know saving tackles really although he he puts a couple of crunches in every single game for me it's more about he's got in his head now how this team plays and how he can best add to it yeah i mean Klopp knew he was a decent player we wouldn't have spent 20 millions not nothing on him if he wasn't a decent player i think from his early cameos we were all left a little bit we're not sure here we're not really sure of his level His, his lower half of the bundesliga premier league level we don't can we tell or can't we but I think it's just with him, it's been a question of rhythm. It's been being surrounded by better players. There's no doubt about that. Um, I th- I'd be shocked about how, he, how he's able to express himself, really. I, I, I thought we'd be getting a, I don't, a poor man's Lucas at best, quite frankly. Just, just a very, very blunt kind of footballer who would do a job for us. 
and he's been more than that. I mean, I'm quietly happy. With, I'm always thrilled by observing players being able to get their shots away. I think it's, it's it's a sign of confidence. It's a sign that they're genuinely contributing. And he has a wild one or two yesterday. They're, they're not like the one he scores against. Who was it the other week? Fulham. Fulham. Yeah, but. There's, every, there's a lot going on in his game. That's been the, the, the really, really pleasant surprise. I think in a certain sense, it's the timing of him going away for this, this tournament. Obviously, it's not ideal. I'd rather have, have him as an option. But with McAllister coming back in, McAllister's five-minute or ten-minute cameo was, was special, I thought, last night, by the way, and it included that incredible assist. McAllister would be getting the next two or three games, I think, and Endo might find himself benched, notwithstanding he might get half an hour here or there. And that might have set him back a bit. It might not be the worst thing in the world that he's got. He can go away on this massive high now to the Asia Cup, be the main man for Japan or thereabouts, and then maybe come back at the business end of the season where we're playing twice a week again, and he will see as much action. I feel he'll feel, his Liverpool, as long as he doesn't get injured, his Liverpool season has been unbroken from when he broke into the side a month ago to, to the period when he comes back in. And he could win it. As well, you know, he, he could come back, yeah, captain of Japan, having lifted lifted the trophy, and you know that you, no telling. He's had a bit of a wild, personal sort of six months, hasn't he? But mm. he must feel at the moment like all his Christmases have come, you know, and it's yeah. like I'm I'm absolutely flying here, yeah. and you know if he can if he can continue that ride that wave, they've got a very good chance of winning the tournament, and then come back with this sort of you know. Extra spring in a step. That's that could be huge for him. We saw yeah. it with with Mane a couple of seasons ago, didn't we? Where he even actually the opposite. He probably had a difficult spell. Went away, won won the um, won the Afcon with, with Senegal and came back like a new man, didn't he? So yeah, I think I think um, you can't. I can't speak highly enough of Endo actually the, the the way he's done it and just the speed in which he's he, he's playing with now. It's it, that's that's the biggest thing. He, he just looks up to speed. To me, the the striking thing. We raved about the quality of this attack and performance, Josh. And there he is. He's the fulcrum. Of, of the midfield as it, as it moves around the pitch you know we've said it's amongst the best attacking performances you've seen from a Klopp Liverpool side and Wataru Endo is part of that and for me that's the that's the journey he's been on that he is able to contribute in all those phases absolutely brilliantly he's not coming in to firefight he's not coming in to do bits he's coming in to be part of running football matches I think the the position in line for me is the, is the key element I think he when he first started for Liverpool, and he, he plays the first few games, and, that, and he, he looked slow. I think that's the best way to describe how he looked in the first few games. He looked just off the pace, and that was the main worry when we signed him because his physical data over the past three seasons has dropped off massively. He was always going to be a little bit slower than the rest of the players around him, and this was the Premier League as well, most intense league in the world. So, I think it's kind of it goes back to that coaching thing that I mentioned earlier in terms of just getting him up to grips in a coaching sense with his positioning has allowed him to despite being obviously the same speed as he was at the start of the season, he's now making these challenges, he's just arriving a half a second earlier. And what I love about him as well, and this is this should just go without saying with any player really, but when he when he sees a challenge, he is just 100% in the challenge, mate. Like, mouth guard, mouth guard and everything. You know, it's, it's fully committed. Like, I will... And, and I don't think that's the case with every player. I think he's, he, he's fully in there and... It, it does remind me at times of, of peak Fabinho, to be fair, because Fabinho wasn't the quickest, his timing and his positioning was just absolutely on it. And when the ball was there to be won, when the ball was a little bit loose, it was just proper foot in and someone would recover it. So he's, he's proper stepped up in the past couple of weeks and it's it's a shame to be without him now for the next month or so, but um, it's also decent timing with McAllister because... It, 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 it might have got to a point where McAllister is ready to start and Endo's just keeping him out the team and I don't think a World Cup would have expected that really. 
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's nice to do one of these and not have to talk about, I thought Ibu Canati was brilliant, by the way, but not have to talk about the excellence of Van Dijk, who I thought was tremendous as well. Not to do the goalkeeper. Their goalkeeper was better than ours. That's a good thing, not a bad thing at times. Their goalkeeper was better than ours. He was more involved. And even Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I thought also had an excellent game. Every Liverpool player had an excellent game. All of them. Uh, it's good to get to talk about other people because we've talked about all of them so much. I've talked about the coaching, Neil. That's as well as anyone's played this season. Anyone. Uh, that you got to see there from Liverpool, as well as any, any side's played. For me, again, the coaching should be raved about. There were times last season where we didn't look very well coached, to be honest with you. It didn't look like whatever was going on off the pitch was being put into practice as you'd want. And there's obviously circumstances around that, but it was frustrating to feel like a Liverpool side wasn't being as well coached as their opponents from time to time. That was happening. What I find odd in the immediate aftermath of the game is why anyone's talking about anything else. There seems to be a desire to find controversy where there's no need for any. The better side, the home team, the better home team, by a mile, won the game and played great football. There's there's no need for nonsense. It feels to me, I'd rather people talk about the excellence yeah. of and how this has happened and everyone behind it than the need for nonsense. Yeah, but it doesn't lend itself to bite-sized content, does it? Talking about you know, hard work on the training ground and probably a, a mischaracterisation of... Liverpool's manager as being this kind of fellow who just throws emotions at the wall and, and, just see, hooks and, people. and sees who fancies <laughs> coming along for the ride. You know, he's obviously a he, he's obviously an incredible coach, isn't he? You know, he's his teams more often than not are brilliant. You know, <laughs> they, I mean, whether it's Mainz, Dortmund, or, or Liverpool, they're more often than not brilliant. He he doesn't do it with the obvious players. He doesn't do it with you know. I'm, and, and this isn't this isn't the Guardiola sort of shade. He doesn't do it with. Well, yeah, of course you've got Messi playing well. You know, <laughs> good on you, well done. But like, he, do, he does it with 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 players that you think we all have doubts about them. I think I think every almost every player that Liverpool have have had and got, someone will have written a, a tweet or a, 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 a had we might have talked about it on a show and said, I'm not sure about him. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd have signed him. You know, McAllister, Endo, Gakpo, Diaz, Salah. Simakas, whoever, but Klopp has that ability to not only convince them to, to do what the hard yards and to do all the other stuff, but to, to, to know how Liverpool Liverpool play and what, what you have to do and 
the shape of the team and the, the you know the off the ball requirements, the positional play. He's he's just he is an elite coach and he's got elite an elite coach alongside him as well. I know I know he got some stick last season because things went wrong, but clearly Pep Linders is an unbelievable coach as well and 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 gets players to understand tactics like few other coaches do and uh, you know we can talk about the, the superstars on the pitch but they've got a few off it as well Liverpool yeah I'm into that yeah Klopp was interesting I thought in a press conference the other day maybe it was after Burnley people go it's coming together this season are the, are the players understanding what you wanted He's, really there's no different I mean I know we're criticising him for last season but we're criticising him because the outcomes are what they are let's be honest about it he said no we, we recognised the problems last season and we were, tr- we were constantly working on them and trying to put them right I think it's just another big simple example of how Rome wasn't built in a day and sometimes the repetition and the repetition in training uh, and trying to get the message in and obviously the tweaks in the transfer market are massive and, and putting for younger legs in place of older legs is something he didn't have at his disposal last season it was that work in progress that's when people say transition season they don't really allow for the fact that you can do badly in the transition yeah. season and I actually think Liverpool aren't that bad last season certainly in the second 40% of it, the record is really quite solid. It, the, the, the progress happened last season. Well, um, all, all, as well, it's a, it's a chicken and the egg thing, isn't it? But it's almost Liverpool just seem to get the right characters, don't do any by them. But there must be an element of they don't, they, they, they do, but they also turn them into the right characters as well. Yeah. Because I, you just look, and I, I watch Manchester United are a great, great um, comparison at the moment, at spin at the moment. But you see United players do things, and you just think, I just, I don't think I've ever seen a Liverpool player do it under Klopp. You see, you see a, a United player, you know, f- just stop running or or throw his arms up or you know, sort of kick the advertising hoardings and spend the next two minutes sort of moaning that they've missed a chance. You just don't, you just don't see it. Whether you don't notice it, possibly, but I don't see it, and I, I just think there are certain things that just won't wash at Liverpool, even in the bad times. They just won't wash. And that's got to come down to the manager as well as the recruitment staff. I think Nunes is, is instructive. In last season, Klopp famously makes that sort of sly dig about do you want do you want to be in this Liverpool your ticket to this team is you've got to press a certain way, and you can look at a player like Nunes. Oh, have we bought one who's not a natural presser? Now, if you'd only watched him this season, you go, well, he's obviously a player who's always done that all yeah. his life. I think Curtis Jones, if you'd watched, we say we've referenced a young Curtis Jones. We do. There is that culture that you know. The, the pressing is the, is, is the technical exposition of the culture, but it requires talking to them about what what being a, a winner is and 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 look, telling them to look at the examples. And you're right. You you wonder would a Bruno Fernandez, who I really dislike yeah. as a footballer, and, and quite frankly the way he comes across as a character, but would he be that player in a club squad? I, I don't I, think he so. wouldn't. Would he? he wouldn't. There's, there's a lot of players that you look at and you think, I, ah, they're not Liverpool players, and I actually just think they would be. They just don't play for Liverpool, you know. They yeah. sort of they haven't they haven't had the clock treatment. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think Nunes is a good shout actually in terms of like, it, I think if Nunes signed for Man United that summer, which was you know they were supposedly insisted at the time, I think by now he'd have been absolutely written off. I don't think he'd be getting the chances that he's getting at Liverpool now. The opportunities, the patience. I think Endo's similar. I don't think Man United. I think immediately they would have written him off and, and he would have said he's not good enough, he's, he's too sulky slow. Or something. Nunes would be seen as a sulker by now. Yeah, you can just yeah. picture exactly how it would have gone. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, if you go to like, I always go back to Timo Werner as well. I think Timo Werner at Chelsea just didn't work for him but and people put that down so like he's just not he's just not that good or, or whatever but I, I'm convinced if he came to Liverpool Couldn't agree more. When, yeah. when, Jota, yeah. when Jota came, he'd, have, he'd be there now still 
probably a regular starter, 20 plus every season. It's because they haven't got Klopp. I, I think that's 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 a lot of it. It is. It's incredible stuff. Are you listening, boys? Uh, out there in Europe, in this transfer yeah, come, come and join. Yes. Come and join and see how good you can be. Uh, go from there. Um, I'm not going to do the referee. Uh, he did me head in, but he also gave two penalties. So you've got to, you know, swings and roundabouts. I'd like, I'd like him to give more to the home team. He gave you two penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, not, but apart from that, uh, but he, he was annoying, hugely annoying. Uh, I do think there is a bit of a problem with them trying to act as though they won't be swayed by Anfield. Uh, I think it's, I don't know quite what we do about it because my God, is Anfield desperate to sway them? So it feels as though the whole situation's got itself out of hand. Do you, do you think VAR has maybe changed that dynamic a bit with referees? I think around penalties, yes. What, 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 I think around the shit like not booking Joel Linton. No. So I think that that's your problem. When 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 there is not the intervention, oh, there's not going to be the eye in the sky, I think they are still being exactly the same in terms of we will not be swayed by Anfield. I think Everton get it as well as Goodison, to be honest. I think there's something about we will not be swayed by a hugely partisan home crowd. We're going to stand firm. We're going to show our masculinity in terms of this refereeing. It drives me mad. Well, as long as I've been watching Liverpool, I, you know, I've come out of grounds with people going, that referee just wanted to show Anfield. That's where we put every decision against us. But, uh, but and yet, every other the manager in a press conference that goes well that's what you expect at Anfield you never get anything as though the refs are predominantly homers but I do I do wonder in the era of VAR whether a ref is subconsciously a little bit more wired to go against Anfield because he goes whatever happens I'm not coming out of this being shown up by the telly in VAR as a homer even if I'm not even trying to be so they go what I'm saying is there's a subconscious overcompensation potentially possibly so possibly so whatever it is I'd like it to stop Uh, before (laughs) the match I was in the pub saying I tell you what I think Taylor's the best of them at the minute Um, (laughs) it's it's a unique feat isn't it to give two questionable penalties or borderline penalties the second one is in my opinion is not a penalty the first one is but I've seen both of those not given and it would have been easy for them both not to be given and I reckon possibly there was a chance that if they weren't given they weren't overturned to do that and to still come away with people going oh my god like people, people walking out of the ground saying to me you better write about that corruption play them off the park <laughs> yeah, yeah but like, you know, that's, that's a unique feat from a Premier League referee I think this season there was yeah there was a lot going on the bigger picture quickly uh, Roberto <laughs> the top big picture isn't it the top, the five clear of Arsenal and City. City obviously inevitably have the Manchester City game in hand. I don't know where they get them from. They must go to a shop. Uh, they always <laughs> manage to have one somewhere in there as well. It's like I don't think anyone actually adds the, point, the points up at the end of the season at times properly. Um, but they they do have one. City are now obviously the bigger threat. So a little hand hand. hand are hanging in. Uh, I've got. I've done well through this show, really. To be honest with you, I've got it at three. Um, they. I love a league table with breaks in it. Uh, and now you've got a top five theoretically. But I think we know Villa and Tottenham are interlopers uh, with the greatest respect to both because I think both are, are, are impressing over the course of the season. Arsenal, there's a question mark against. You feel as though Liverpool and City are going to be there till the business ends. Well, Arsenal are this week's question mark, aren't they? <laughs> Two weeks ago, Tottenham with a question mark. Oh, Tottenham have gone, they're nobody's business and then suddenly a couple of wins. They're not our business. No. <laughs> L- Liverpool are the one side, side who you can say have shown consistency and haven't hit a spell. And it might well happen, but we've got 20 games without having a down spell. Tottenham have had it, Arsenal have now had it. Villa, I think, have shown a degree of consistency here, where I think to write them... It's, it's really hard to see and imagine them winning the title. I think they're still 20 to 1, and you have to go, the bookies aren't soft, right? 20 to 1 is 4% or something like that. It's, it, it's not going to happen. But equally, 
nor should write off that Villa could end up top three and within eight points of the eventual champion. That's not. I wouldn't say I would bet on that, but it's not impossible. Not impossible. And, and, and certainly with the home form, that backs them up. And, and Tottenham might not be miles off either. I think they're less likely than Villa. I think they're flakier. They're, they've, they've had their injuries as well. Arsenal, I think, you know, again, as is typical, and people, I just wonder how many years people have to watch football to know that writing obituaries on the back of two and a half bad games is, is a bit soft, really. Arsenal have fallen, but they've fallen from a, a big height. It only needs Liverpool and City to drop points in their very next two games and Arsenal to win a game, and suddenly we'll be scratching our heads and go, well, how did that happen? It's they just it's- don't look like they've got what Josh said before, the ability to twist. Maybe they'll buy someone in January. They just look to I, me to lack a bit of attacking I, I, quality. I, I think I, Arsenal can't lose those games that they lost because they, they can't win. They had not shown that they can win the, the ones that they have to win the six pointers in, in, in March and April. So I think Arsenal need to be in the lead in that period. Otherwise, I think they, they, they can't go to the Etihad and win in March, April. They couldn't go to Anfield. Obviously, they, they didn't go to Anfield and win. So when they lose to West Ham at home and Fulham, it's like a double hit on them because it's like, oh God, that was the one. Like we, we needed to sort of to rifle at home. Whereas I think Liverpool, at the very least, when they go to the Emirates, they can avoid defeat. They can, they can, they can keep themselves in there, and they can beat we the can West Ham. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I just think Arsenal, until they convince themselves that they can go and win at Old Trafford, wherever, Tottenham, even. They, they just don't have that luxury of being able to say, Do you know what, we had a bad day there against Fulham, we lost that one. I think it matters to them more than it matters to maybe a Liverpool and a City. I also I also think that uh, the, 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 me, the, the, the media, and it's London centricity to it, to, no, no offence to the media, but there is a, you know, I was looking at most people's, <laughs> uh, if, even, even the bookies that were looking at the play, player of the year, I, I had a little look, the betting for the footballer of the year, they're, they're talking about football writers or whatever, the main player of the year award. Out of the top 10, I think five were Arsenal players in the yeah. betting. Now, the betting is just a commentary on, on, the, on the perception of those who are going to vote. So there's a, there's a desire to write Arsenal as, as the coming force, as, as this new super team, of the, the, as, Decla- as their £240 million investment in the summer being, being smart money, Declan Rice being the final piece of the jigsaw. There's, there's a desire for that narrative to work. And up to a point, it's worked for them. But when they lose their shit and lose stupid games like Fulham and, and the West Ham one back to back, that's when I think it counts against them. And suddenly it's a debacle. And it's how they, you know, they're, they're suddenly flakes and, and they're be, and being written off almost. And I think it's how they psychologically deal with that. I, I think there's something in, though, the idea of what happens when you lose in the way you, it underlines your own insecurities. Mm. So I and I think that's what's happened to our like for instance yeah. I think if Arsenal lost to West Ham four three, and then it got slap bang in a thriller with Fulham and the last minute Fulham go up the other end and score from a set piece or on a counter attack and it, that one finishes four three or something like that then I think they're able to say but we shrugged that off I think it's harder when you're going I don't know if that front three's got enough goals in it and guess what it goes through it plays 180 minutes of football and I would include Anfield I think if they had more off the bench or better attacking options I never thought they were scoring from open play at Anfield well, I very, thought they were great but they were never scoring from open play they're very, they're very close I mean you can write the story either way all season but they're very close to getting only a point at Luton and they're very close to losing at Anfield. You know, Trent's thing a little. I know these are small margins, but you then, I always say when, when, when things go, you know, they're fine, like you win a couple uh, last minute, where you're lucky or you've shown a certain resilience. Well, it, had to, it always depends on what happens next. And what's happened next to Liverpool, despite some, some adversity and some late winners here or there, is Liverpool have got stronger and stronger. 
Arsenal have gone through those moments where people, where the media have wanted to go, that's the sign of champions like a Luton. No, it wasn't. It was the sign of them getting lucky, really, quite frankly. The Declan Rice put his big head on something when they, were, they had a really quite poor performance. And they were a bit lucky, and they were lucky to survive the wash, proverbial washing machine at Anfield as well. You know, history is now be- possibly beginning to demonstrate. I think the thing about Arsenal is that they're arguably better coached at the minute than, than Liverpool are, and seems to be being feared along the journey under Arteta. You know, Klopp's dealing with a different, a, a kind of a new squad at the minute, new, new, new team. Um, but I think Arsenal just don't have the. They can't you know those individuals who will move the needle a little bit the players at, at are both good. ends of the pitch. The players are yeah. less good. I think at both ends of the pitch, both boxes, they just don't have those elite difference makers who, yeah. even on an off day, will get you over the line and will just kind of, within the context of what it, what it takes to win a game of football, they just have players who are just less impactful. And same, Liverpool have got Alisson and Van Dijk at one end and at the other end. Salah and I would also throw Nunes in it, even though his finishing's not great. He's he's a player who just moves your attacking level to a different level because of his ability to just create chances and get chances. It's it's, it's crazy, Nunes, in terms of it, you know that sort of thing. Arsenal just have really good players, but like nobody who's like I think if you were to merge the Liverpool and the Arsenal squad as one. I think arguably the top four players would would all be Liverpool players in terms of Allison, Van Dijk, um, Salah and Trent. Yeah, and I think Arsenal have got a shout with Rice and Saka. Saliba. Saliba. I think Jesus is really good, but I, I, I think well, the top yeah, four yeah. would be would be Liverpool players. That's no, that's the truth of the matter. And you did the same thing with City. The top four would all be City players as well. Um, you, you know, Rodri, De Bruyne, yeah. Haaland. Yeah, uh, and that was be, a good quote from Klopp yesterday, wasn't it? Which one did he say? Did he say. He said, oh, we're talking about the title race. He said, well, Kevin De Bruyne is warming up and the whole country's shaking. <laughs> <laughs> the thing but with the City thing, though... Over to you, Kev. With, with, Kev. with the City thing, though, one, thing, one, one nice thing about... If you want to put a positive spin on it, one nice thing about City being the team to compete with is we, we actually have them at Anfield yeah. near the back end of the season. Arsenal have got to go away to, to the end of it. So if there was like a point in it at that point... I mean, that's quite soon, that actually, at the end of this game. But... With the second half of the season matchup being at Anfield, right? And it feels like it's always at the Etihad. Yeah, it has. This season we've got a bit of a benefit it, with that. It would be a huge one if Liverpool, were, if Liverpool already had it in their own hands going into that game and could sort of not not kill it off, but put daylight between them. That would be huge because you remember the couple of seasons ago they 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 went there sort of knowing that even a draw, which was a really good result and a decent performance, probably wouldn't be enough. It does change the dynamic second half. It's so exciting! It's so exciting! Subscribe to everything on the Anfield wrap. Uh, it's good. Uh, for one uh, also uh, keep an eye on what Josh is up to and subscribe to Neil's Substack as well uh, things are the business things are motoring what a time what a time to be enjoying this Liverpool side I've never enjoyed it more Andy Heaton producing Asho Rock on the visuals we've had Josh we've had Rob we've had Neil and we've had the time of our lives Sports Social Podcast Network Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.